Harvest New Beginnings Church is located in Oswego, Illinois. We exist for God's glory alone, encouraging each other to have a deep love for God and a sincere love for people. This message is brought to you by Pastor Matt Dreetz. Well, church, good morning. How are you feeling this morning? Yeah? Feeling good? Well, I don't know for those of you, I'm the youth pastor here at Harvest, and I don't know if you know this, but I was born and raised in Minnesota. Yeah, you betcha, don't you know? And, uh, you know, we, we, it was an interesting place to grow up. Um, most of the people that I grew up with were of Scandinavian heritage and uh, the sons and daughters of Vikings, uh, Stoic Vikings. And if you know much about Minnesotans, especially as farther as you get north in the state, the more Stoic they get. They uh, just don't show a lot of emotion, you know. They kind of keep everything close to the chest and, uh, you know, and, and express things when they feel like they really need to. Um, when I moved to Illinois, I was kind of shocked to see how people wore their emotions on their sleeve a little more. I wasn't used to that. And then, really, what shocked me was when people were so rude to my face. Like, what's going on here? Especially you people from the South Side. My goodness. You know, I, mean, I just, I wasn't used to that at all. That just threw me through a loop. And, uh, you know, but, but as time has gone on, and in uh, the last couple years that we've all lived through, one of the things that we see is that people's emotions are just extreme. I mean, my goodness, you can't turn on the TV nowadays um, without having some politician come to the microphone and say, I'm outraged, and they turn red, and they scream and shout about how outraged they are, and then what happens? Nothing. <laughs> And then, and, then, uh, and then, you know, not only that, but you see how so many people, they got to have a cause. It's like everybody's got to have a cause that, today. And, you know, it doesn't seem to matter what the cause is. Only thing that matters is if you can virtue signal to other people that you care. You really, really, really care. And uh, it's just all these extreme emotions everywhere. And guys, for the people of Christ, for the body of Christ, I just don't think it's healthy the emotional environment that we're living in. Would you agree with that? I, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's healthy. I don't think it's good. And so what I want to do today is I want to preach a message called how to be a good steward of our feelings. Now, what's a steward? A steward is a caretaker. It's someone who is entrusted with caring and growing something. And in the church, we talk a lot about being a good steward of our money, our time, our resources. But I honestly can't remember ever hearing a sermon about stewarding your feelings. And yet, guys, our feelings are really important because God wants our body, our mind, our soul, our emotions everything to be under his control. It's really, really important. And here's the truth. If we're honest with ourselves, we'd have to admit, I think, that we all base a lot of our decisions on our feelings. And that's not such a bad thing if our feelings are under the control of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now, I want to I want to just share, I'm a, I believe that I'm here with you this morning because of a feeling. Um, many moons ago, I fell in love with a girl in college. Amanda Watkins was her name. I asked her to marry me, and by some miracle, she said yes. 
Uh, we served in a church in Minnesota together for a few years. During that time, we had three children. And one of the things that we were realizing as we were starting our family is not only are we called to do ministry, but we really believe we were called to have a large family as well. Uh, we believe that, and for those of you guys, that anybody have a large family here? Um, it's a calling, isn't it? I mean, you guys understand that when you get into that, it's a whole different thing, and it is a calling, and we felt called to that. But the church that we were serving in, it just literally was not financially possible to have more kids with serving in the church that I was serving in. So we started praying and started thinking, okay, how do, how, God, how do you make this all happen? And... Um, you know, as, as we were thinking through that too, we realized that, you know, um, I was traveling more as a youth pastor, doing missions trips, you know, going to different retreats, doing different things. And it became apparent too that Amanda needed a support network. There had to be, you know, some kind of support since I was going to be gone a lot. There had to be someone else there to take, to pick up the slack. And uh, her parents lived in Illinois. And I'm like, Lord, I don't want to move to Illinois. <laughs> what? The bears? What? That's all there is? I mean, come on. <laughs> I do not want to move to Illinois. And, uh, but, you know, as we were praying through it and as we were doing things, you know, it came to be that we, I came to Harvest 19 years ago because God answered all of our prayers and bringing us there, allowing us to be able to do ministry, allowing us to be able to support our family, allowing us to be able to do all those things and have support for Amanda. And God just did an amazing, an amazing thing. So I'm here to say that feelings do have consequences and they do lead us places. I am absolutely 100% sure of that. Let's pray, guys, as we get into this, because I, I hope that the Lord ministers to your heart as we talk about stewarding your emotions and your feelings. Lord, we want to come to you right now and just say, help us, Lord, because we know we want to feel, feel the right things. It's important to feel the right things. It's important that our feelings are absolutely controlled by your Holy Spirit. It's so important because it, those feelings really do affect the people around us. They affect the direction of our lives. They affect so many of our choices, God, and we want to feel the right things. And Lord, we know too that those feelings could actually be a great tool to cause us to obey you and to cause us to love you more and to cause us to actually do things that you say in your word. So God, help us steward our feelings well. In your precious name, amen. Uh, kind of a theme verse for this whole thing. We're going to get into Romans, but just kind of a, a thread through uh, Romans 7 and 8. So if you want to turn somewhere, you might want to turn there because we'll be there most of the time. But 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says this, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Taking every thought, every feeling, and make it obedient to Christ. The Greek word that gets translated as thought here can also mean perception, and that is exactly what our feelings are. They're emotional perceptions. Our emotions help us perceive what is funny, sad, good, what is bad. And although our feelings appear very strong and almost uncontrollable at times, we can choose very different responses to the same feelings. My first point here tonight, or this morning, is number one, God's law exposes sin in our feelings. You know, following your heart 
otherwise known as following your feelings, is the worst advice ever given in the history of man. And God's law exposes our sin. Now, how many of you guys have raised your kids watching Disney movies? You know, I mean, I, I was raised on Disney movies. I, I, you know, my kids have all watched Disney movies. And at least they used to be, I don't know about it anymore, they used to be good, clean, fun flicks. But the underlying philosophy, you have to admit, is what of all of these movies? Just what? Follow your heart, right? And that philosophy is absolute garbage, <laughs> absolute trash. The prophet Jeremiah said it best in 17.9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? You can't trust your feelings to guide you into truth. You can't trust your feelings to know what's best for you and other people. And the law of God, the word of God exposes our feelings, which ones are sin and which ones are righteousness. The law can't save you, but it sure is good at exposing what is good and what is not. Uh, Romans 7, 7 says this, What shall we say then? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would have not known sin. For I would have not known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. Friends, the word of God must be the filter for our feelings. Just take the Ten Commandments, I mean, we're going to take just a couple of the Ten Commandments, and there's so many commandments in God's Word, but let's just look at a couple of them. Exodus 20, 14, you shall not commit adultery. Okay, so the only feeling I need to guard against is an adulterous feeling, right? Well, not really. In Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5, 27 through 30, it says, you've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it's better for you to lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. Wow, Jesus really directly addresses our feelings here and saying, look, if you have lustful desires for anybody who you're not married to, it's a big deal. It's such a big deal. You better take drastic measures. Now, don't really gouge out your eye or cut off body parts, but listen, do be drastic about it. Take drastic um, actions to cut that sin and those thoughts and those emotions and those feelings out of your life. Now, I'll be saying, well, what about all of the things in our culture today, all the letters? L, B, G, T, and so forth, whatever it is today. Well, Paul makes it clear in many places, but one of them being in 1 Corinthians 7, 1 and 2, he says, now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, but because of temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. So we see that sexual feelings belong in one relationship, according to the Bible, in a marriage between one man and one woman. But friends, if you just got dropped in our culture today, would you know any of this? <laughs> would it be apparent to you? Just living in America and watching TV, <laughs> watching movies, uh, getting on the internet? I mean, guys, seriously, we would have no clue that this is God's standard apart from the law just by living in the culture that we live in. Think about this one, Exodus twenty seventeen. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, his male servant, his female servant, his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. 
Oh my goodness, we fail at this one. When's the last time, you know, you can probably remember the last time you've had a covetous feeling the last time you looked at social media. <laughs> oh wait, you know, oh my goodness, people, what they, their life looks so great. Not to mention, guys, that the whole American dream is built on keeping up with the Joneses, having the right stuff, the right things, achieving the right goals. Uh, in the meantime, I can tell you as a youth pastor that our kids are suffering because of our covetous attitudes. Do you know how many kids that I counsel that are like, I just don't measure up? Do you know how much of that is from our covetous attitude that we have to have what everybody else has? We have to be recognized like everybody else is recognized. You know, it's, it's something that we struggle with and, 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 and have a hard time with all the time. So here, I just, I'm a big nerd. How many of you guys are Lord of the Rings fans? Anybody Tolkien fans or C.S. Lewis fans out there? All right, so that's my family. We're kind of nerds like that. And this is kind of the picture that I have. For those of you that have seen those movies or read that book, you understand what I'm talking to. This is my Gandalf staff. And I had it when we dressed up for the, uh, the trunk or treat last year. My whole family dressed up for it. Um, and, <laughs> and that's where the staff comes from is, uh, is to do this. I actually, I, well, yeah, I actually made the staff myself. Amanda, of course, made all the clothing and everything. But um, I'm picturing myself anyways. When it comes to the law, I know what is right. I know the precept of the way I should be feeling. Okay, I understand all that. I've read through the Old Testament. I understand. I read the New Testament. I know what it is. But here's the picture that's in my mind. For those of you guys that have seen the movie, you know Gandalf is down in the caves and there's the demon is barreling at him and the rest of his party is trying to get up the way and the classic moment where he lifts up the staff, thou shall not pass, and, and brings it down and boom, you know, the, the power comes out. You know what happens when I do that though and all I got is the law? the demon runs right over me. <laughs> Boom. I am just absolutely decimated by the demon that's running at me. I am done. Because here's the thing, friends, and you are too, if it comes down to our own power and to obey the law, it's simply not going to be enough. And that leads us to the second point here this morning. Obsef obsessing over the law will backfire. Romans 7, 8 says this, but sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. Guys, if all we do is we think about, I shouldn't do this, I shouldn't think this, I shouldn't feel this, what's going to happen? We're going to think it, we're going to feel it, we're going to do it. How many of you guys, if there's, a, there's a, uh, a painted, a freshly painted bench in the park, and there's a sign, fresh paint, do not touch. How many of you, how many of you online, you have to go and touch it? <laughs> you raise your hand? I want to see how many of you guys, people are like, yeah, all the youth leaders are raising their hand. Yeah, we attract a certain type. Um, yeah, but yeah, you know, that's the thing. You know, when, when we're faced with that, guys, that is the way so many of us are. If there's a law, we have to feel like we got to push it. You know, I call this the how far is too far kind of mentality. Now, as a youth pastor, I can't tell you how many times, it doesn't happen much anymore because I talk about this a lot, but students used to come up to me all the time and go, hey, Pastor Matt, Pastor Matt, I got this new girlfriend or boyfriend, and how far is physically too far to go in the relationship? And they hated my answer always because here's what I would say. Well, I don't know for sure, 
But based on your question, what I would tell you is you probably have already gone too far because you're asking the wrong question. And, uh, you know, I, just to kind of illustrate this purpose a little bit, I, I want to have um, Dan Budnick come out, if Dan's around. Now, Dan, give it up for Dan. He is a, yes, he's got the sunglasses on even. Dan has been with me for a long time as a youth leader. He is an awesome guy. And I tell you something, now with Dan, he used to play for Nequa. Uh, you were a lineman for Nequa, right? And I'm telling you, he can get off that line fast. He's a big man, but don't, don't let it fool you. He can move fast. And the last thing, I've lined up on the other side of this man. You do not want him rushing at you. It is scary, okay? It is scary. And, uh, and we just had a football game with the students this last uh, Wednesday, but you took it easy on him, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. And, uh, but here's the thing. Let's say that here, the law is don't poke the bear A.K.A. Dan Budnick. Okay, so that's the law. But here's, the, here's the, 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 the thing of, okay, how far is too far? Well, my idea is, you know, well, I'm not actually going to touch the bear with my bare hands, but maybe I can get close enough where I can actually poke him with a stick. Let's see what happens. Whoa. Okay, all right. Well, hey, here's the thing. I got close enough. I touched the bear with a stick, and I didn't die. It was pretty sweet. It was amazing. It's awesome. Okay, I got away with it. Well, maybe since I got away with that, I can use a shorter stick. Let's see what happens with that. Maybe I can use a shorter stick. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh my goodness. I, he almost nicked me that time. I, it was a little scary, but I got away with it. I'm cool. You know what? I bet you, I bet you. I can poke the bear and get away unscathed. How many of you guys think I can do that? Can I poke the bear and get away unscathed? <laughs> All right, I, I, I don't know. I'm going to give it a try. Ah, okay, okay, I have an uncle, uncle. All right, so here's the thing. Thank, give it up for Dan, by the way. Thank you. He hates that, by the way. He hates helping me with illustrations, but he's just such a lovable, cuddly guy that I have to use him for that. <laughs> but here's the thing. You know, that's this, if all we got is the law, this is what happens, friends, is that we, you know, I, just look anytime you have Pharisees, look at anytime you have legalists, what do you see? Failure. Because if all you have is the law, all you have is a list of rules, it's just simply not enough. So, so far, all I've said is about, you know, kind of talked about the negative side of the thing a little bit, but we need the law so we know what's right. It's not enough on its own. Well, what do we actually do? Well, all right, strap in. Here we go. We're getting to the third point. Admit that you can't control your feelings in your own strength. The very first thing that we got to do, guys, is admit that the struggle is real and that we can't win this battle on our own strength. Guys, this is how we get saved. And this is how we stay saved. What I mean by that, this is how I do, this is how we fight our battles every day. Lord, I can't, but you can. Amen? Now, look at the Apostle Paul. Pour out his heart in this struggle. Listen to this, Romans 7, 15 through 18. For I understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but the, I do the very thing that I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know, listen to this, for I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is in my flesh. 
For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. And that blows my mind because if you know anything about the Apostle Paul, if anybody had reason to have confidence in the flesh, it was him. Listen to this in Philippians 3, 5 through 6. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a, Hebrews of Hebrew, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But at the end, even Paul is praying this prayer, and it's the same kind of prayer that we are praying today. God, I know my feelings are wrong. I don't want to have these feelings. There's nothing good in me, Lord, nothing good in my flesh. Lord, please take these fleshly, sinful feelings and turn them into something good. Transform them into something good. So I can certainly relate to desiring the right feelings and the right attitudes and the right heart, but not always able to carry it out. And I saw a, a really neat little picture of this when we were on a, I just last week, I was at a camp called Exiled for our junior high students. And uh, in this camp, uh, and junior high students, by the way, are great because they have not learned how to be fake yet. <laughs> There's not a, not a single junior high student that doesn't, you can't, I mean, I know what they're thinking just by looking at them. <laughs> you know, you know, you can tell what a junior high kid is thinking. And, uh, but here's the thing. It, it was fun to watch them. And we were in this scenario. Okay, so the scenario was that we were living in the camp. It was kind of a role play thing where we were living in the camp and we were the church uh, in the country of Romania. Now, this was actually a reenactment of sorts of what happened in the 1980s when the military took over and established a communist government in Romania, okay? And so we have people from Romania that come there and that have been a part of that and all those kind of things. And uh, anyways, so we're living this thing out. And in chapel that night, the military busts in they take our Bibles away, they take our freedoms away, and they say, you know, look, you, can't, you cannot assemble as Christians anymore, you're under martial law, you're on lockdown. And then that night when we were in our cabins, the military paid us a visit, they went around to all the cabins to search through our stuff and to find any Bibles. So you had kids hiding Bibles in garbage cans. Of course, that's the first place they look. You know, know, they're hiding them all over the place trying to do that. It's pretty cool. But there's this one student, I won't mention his name because I haven't asked him permission, but but he, uh, after the guards were leaving, he puts his head out the window and he goes, get out of here, you commie fools. And I'm like, whoa, (laughs) like, you know, settle down, dude. Like, you're going to get us in trouble. You know, (laughs) But, but here's the thing, that same student... And like a few minutes later, as we're falling asleep, he's like, Pastor Matt, I think we should pray. Can I lead us in a prayer? I was like, yeah, buddy, do it. Lead us in a prayer. And then he led the whole cabin in this prayer, and it was awesome. And I'm like, this kid reminds me of me, first of all, because I'm always yelling commie fools at people. No, just kidding. But... <laughs> but, the, but, the, but then he leads his peers in a prayer And it was so awesome. And I think this is just a picture of our struggle, isn't it? We desire, as believers in Jesus, to have the spirit. We want to do what is right. But because of our flesh, we don't always have the ability to carry it out. And I think this is true of all of us to some extent. And this is the battle that we're in. Um, One of the things that's kind of interesting I see is kind of a parallel going on in our culture right now. Is you've probably heard of all of the worker shortages, right? Going on in our country right now. And one of the things that I hear employers say is, look, 
I can teach skills. Like I can teach somebody to perform a task and do what needs to be done to do this job, but what I can't teach is I can't teach somebody a work ethic. I can't give somebody a drive to work hard and to do what needs to be done to succeed at their job. But man, when it comes, if it's some, you know, and, it, if, and this is, if I was running a business today, this is what I would be looking for. I'd be looking for really hard workers, people that have the hard work ethic, who, who want to do what's good, but if they don't have the skill, that's okay. Like, we can teach you that, you know what I mean? We can give you the skills, but what I can't give you is the desire, right? And, uh, and I think that's what, you know, we're looking at in our faith a lot of it too, is that with saints, you know, and I think this is what we need to do with God. We need to come to God and we say, I know I bring nothing to the table, God, in my flesh. I have nothing to offer. But Lord, help me. Give me a new heart. Turn me into a new creation. Transform my feelings. And that's what he does for us. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, you've been made totally new. And it won't, when it comes to your feeling, guys, this next point is so important and so key. Your identity in Christ is all important. Guys, remember your identity. There is so much power in knowing that your identity is not defined by the feelings that you have, by the sins that you've committed, that that is not what defines you. And we got to be careful, guys, I think, even with the world. You know, this world loves to slap labels on everybody. Oh, this is who you, I mean, do you ever notice that the world tells us who we are? They put a stinking label on us and they say, oh, this is who you are. Well, no, I'm a little more complex than that. You know, I think I'm a little more complex than your stupid label. And guys, so as believers in Jesus, I, we got to be careful of this. Even with unbelievers, we don't slap a label and just think, well, that's all they are is their sin or that's all they, listen, that's not how God treats us. And we have to be careful not to treat other people like that because here's what God does. He makes us new and he makes us unique. God is the most creative force in this world. Do you not think he's going to make people different? My goodness sakes, everybody is different and unique and I, that's what I love about God is he is so creative. I come from a creative family. We like to work with our hands. My son welds. My, one of my son woodworks. All the girls are different, creative with sewing and different things. My wife's extremely creative. God is the one who's really creative though. And he made all of us so unique and so different. But listen to this. This, this passage blows my mind. It is just too good. Romans 8 12 through 17. So then, brothers, we're debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if the children, then heirs, heirs of God. And listen to this. I can't understand this. Fellow heirs with Christ. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Friends, you don't owe your flesh a thing. You don't owe your flesh anything. Those fleshly thoughts, 
desires, feelings, because those are not who you are. That is not who you are. And words cannot ever, ever do the phrase justice. Fellow heirs with Christ, you and I who believe in in Jesus and have trusted him, we're an heir along with him. I mean, I get shivers down my spine every time I read of that. I read that and think about that because how is that possible? How could it be? It's just too good. You know, I felt sorry for myself at different points in my life, but I'm, I read that and I'm like, I am rich. I am rich beyond all imagination because I am an heir along with Christ. God made everything. He gives everything to us. He and we're an heir along with Jesus Christ? That is huge. You know, guys, if we would just spend more time in God's word, focusing on the great theology, especially that's in Romans 8, oh my goodness, our lives would be different, I think. Because our emotions would be fueled by truth that is so good and so amazing that it would change us. Now, here's the thing. I just want to say too, this idea of identity in Christ, that I am a child of Christ, that I am an heir along with Christ of God, this has saved me so many times. Because here's the thing, when a feeling comes into my life, a thought, I'm able to identify that through the law, this is not right. And here's what I say, that is not who I am. That is not me. And friends, that is not you. It just isn't you. People online, it is not you. It's not you. That sin, those feelings that are contrary to God's word, contrary to God's law, that is not who you are in Christ. Amen? It's one of the most powerful tools we have in in the Bible is our identity, who we really are. The realest part of us belongs to Christ. And has been transformed. And simply just because we don't always behave in accordance with that transformation, we need, to, we need to understand that is not who we are. And it saves us from so many times. So many of those feelings and those thoughts come into our mind and you're like, no, that is not who I am. I am not going to go down that road. And friends, I'll tell you this, I'd be a very, very different person <laughs> if I didn't have the identity of Christ to guide me. Very different. And lastly, guys, the Spirit of God changes everything. Guys, your feelings don't have a chance against the power of the Holy Spirit. Under the power of the Holy Spirit, your feelings can catch up to the reality of God's will. Listen to Romans 8, 9 through 10. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Listen to this. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. This is another one of those truths that is just too good. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you and me. And that same spirit 
through faith in Jesus Christ has brought us from spiritual death to life. And from that day on forward, friends, we have unlimited power at our disposal from the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us to give us power over sin. We're not doing this just based on the law. We're not doing this fight just by, oh, this is what I should do. This is what, no, this is, we are empowered to do this. You know, this power is amazing. It's real. And I want to tell you something, guys. The problem with most Christians in our culture today is we are trying to be empowered by other people. Oh, that speaker is so empowering. Or that, that person, I just feel empowered when I'm around them. You know, baloney. <laughs> no, I can't give you any power. No speaker can give you any power. Nobody has any power to give you. The only power that exists in this universe is the Holy Spirit of God that can give you power to do that. So friends, stop looking to people. There's no other people has anything they can give you. They Sure, they can encourage you. Sure, they can help you. I'm not saying there's no value in speakers. I'm not saying there's no value in other people. There obviously is. But if you're looking for empowerment through a person, you will be disappointed. Because the power for our life, guys, comes from the Spirit of God. And you know, have you ever thought, I think I see a lot of Christians today that they are controlled by the Spirit in some areas in their life. And we all, I think, are guilty of this much of the time. But not all of our life is controlled by the Spirit of God. Amen? And, uh, you know, have you ever thought, how would my life be different if I literally surrendered all of life to the Spirit of God? How would my life look different? How would the church look different if it was made up of people who were totally surrendered to the Spirit of God? Can you imagine that? Well, here's a little picture of what that might have looked like. In Acts 2, 46 through 48, the early Christians who, man, were they ever filled with the Spirit and living by the Spirit in those early days, says, uh, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You see, I see that passage and I see that for spirit-filled Christians, Christian fellowship is important to them. They got together, they went to the temple day by day, they gave and they received blessings to one another that were from the Lord. They recognized every blessing that they had came from the Lord and therefore they gave and they received. And, um, and they, you know what the thing that strikes me here as well is they had gratitude. I don't know about you, but gratitude is definitely something that's missing from my life sometimes. I take for granted my church, my wife, my family, my friends, my youth leaders. I take people for granted sometimes. You know what I need is I need to be grateful. I need to be very, very grateful. And I think that's one of the marks of a spirit-filled person is they are grateful because they recognize every good thing that comes to them, even if it comes from another person, is from the Lord. And, and I would just encourage you in that. Now, I want to give you some really practical steps before we end here. 
in living this stuff out. But before we get there, I recognize this. Some of you are going to have the week from hell coming up this next week. Just because there's so many people here, you're going to go through something really hard. Some of you are going to experience something this next week that is going to be mind-blowingly difficult. And when you're in those situations, you might not be able to take some of these other suggestions I'm going to give you and And it might just seem too overwhelming to think about that at the time. So here's what I want to leave you with. In in my daily Bible reading, I've been reading through the book of Exodus just recently. And right now, just where it happened to be where I was at in my Bible reading, I'm up with Moses and God on Mount Sinai. And the Israelites were getting impatient, waiting for Moses to come back down the, the mountain. And so they, they, they made a golden calf, or as Aaron said, the people just gave me this gold. I threw it into the fire and a cow jumped out. You know, <laughs> but, but, uh, but, you know, they made a golden calf and they're worshiping and doing all kinds of horrible, disgusting things. And God looks down the mountain and he says, you know what, Moses? He tells him what's happening because obviously Moses can't see it, but God can. And he says, you know what? I think I'm just going to wipe them out. <laughs> I'm just going to kill all of them down there. And you know what? I can still keep my promise to you, Moses, or to Abraham, through you, Moses. I can keep that promise because I'll just start over with the nation of Israel through you. Can you imagine being Moses? Ah, <laughs> ah like a deer in headlight moment. Like, ah, uh, yeah, what do I do? Like God's just going to kill everybody <laughs> uh, that he just let out of Egypt. So you know what Moses does? And this is what I want to encourage you to do when, if, you, if, if this is what happens to you this next week. Just get real with God. Look what Moses does. He has no other choice but to just simply get real. Exodus 32, 11 through 14, look at this. But Moses implored the Lord and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, with evil intent did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as stars of heaven and all this land that I have promised I will give to your offspring and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. Moses moved the heart of God. By just getting real with them. Do you see that? God was going to wipe out the nation of Israel. But Moses prayed and just got real and said, you know, God, I saw you work with great power to get us out of the land of Egypt. It was amazing. And, and, and God, do you really want the Egyptians to say, he brought them out just to kill them in the, in the wilderness? Do you really want them to say that? He had evil intents for his people. And Lord, remember your promise. To Abraham, remember those, that promise that you spoke long ago to multiply his descendants like the stars and to give him the land to live in forever. Don't go back on that, God. And God listened. He relented from destroying the people. You know, I don't know what's going to happen this week, but if things blow up, just get real with God. Just get real with God. Ask him to remember his promises to you. Ask him to help you to get through this. Intercede for other people. Intercede for yourself. And see how God works in your life. Now, hopefully, for many of you, it's not going to be that kind of week this next week. 
And for you, I have some other suggestions. First one being this, simply shut off the news. (laughs) I don't know about you, but when I watch the news, it just makes me mad. I see all these commie fools. No, just kidding. I see all these people (laughs) on the the news and I'm like, man, you know, I could run, I'm I'm dumb and I could run things better than this. You know, and, and so just shut off the news. Just shut the news off. Don't listen to podcasts. Don't listen to the radio. Don't listen, you know, don't read about the news. Just, just shut it off. Secondly, take a break from social media and just focus on the people that are actually in front of you. Be present. That's a, that's a skill sorely needed in our culture today, isn't it? With cell phones and everything. Just be present with the people that are actually in your presence. And then put into practice some of the steps we talked about. Filtering your emotions through God's word, not obsessing over the law, admitting you can't control your feelings and your own strength, focusing on God, who God says you are, and him, your true identity, all the while submitting to the Spirit's work in your life as he gives you power to change your feelings and match what is good and what is of God. And then fourthly, guys, read Romans 8 every day. The, the, the theology... You know, what I would suggest is just take one idea from Romans 8 and just ponder on that all day long and just marinate in that truth and see how God improves your your emotions and your feelings as you're going through the week. Now, in the fight to bring your feelings under control of the Holy Spirit, I want to read to you some pieces of Romans 8 in closing. Just let this wash over your mind and your heart. Just listen and let it wash and minister to you, and then we're going to close it down. What shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Guys, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you are on God's side, and he is on yours. He has you covered. 32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things? Guys, if God gave the most precious thing in the entire universe up for you, do you not think he's going to take care of you? He's going to provide for your needs. Listen, I've been in times where I've had bills stacking up and it it looks hopeless, but I tell you what, God is going to get you through it. He's going to provide for your needs. Verse 33, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is interceding for us. Oh my goodness, guys. When Jesus died for your sins, he wrote a check. And three days later, when he rose again, the check cleared. And we all cheered. (laughs) Because you know what? It was finished. It was done. And he is interceding for us. We have the best lawyer in the universe at the, at the right hand of God interceding on our behalf and saying, no, that is not who that person is anymore. He is covered by my blood. And 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as written? For your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers or height nor depth or anything else in all creation will, able, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Guys, let's pray.
Lord, we just thank you so much that there is nothing that can separate us from your love. And Lord, I pray that would be what's fueling our emotions. Everybody's head is bowed and eyes are closed, but if there's some here tonight or this morning that you want to have control over your feelings, you want to have that power, but you can't because you have never accepted the substitutionary gift of Jesus Christ for the payment of your sins. I want to encourage you here uh, this morning to just consider, friends, trusting in Jesus Christ. It's so simple, friends. Just call on him and ask him to forgive you of your sins. And the Bible says he is faithful and just and will forgive, us, forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And when that happens, friends, when you put your faith and trust in him, you will have the Holy Spirit and you will have power, power to fight this fight and win the battle with your emotions. You can't do it in your own strength. You can't do it through just knowing the truth. You can only do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. So just pray with me if you've never prayed that prayer before. Just say, Lord, I put my faith and trust, all of it, in your work on the cross. Lord, because you were man, fully man, you could die for me. Because you were God, you rose again and you made you paid the penalty for my sin. You were the substitute. It should have been me that paid for my sin, but Lord, you paid it. And I believe in that. And I put all of my faith and trust in that truth. And Lord, so make me one of your children. Give me your Holy Spirit. And if you prayed that here this morning, I'd, I'd ask you to talk to someone before you leave. Let them know. If you're online, let, let people know that you've that you've uh, said that prayer, give us a call at the church, text us, put it in the chat, whatever it is, but let us know. And let me just pray for everybody else who is a part of the church already. Lord Jesus, help us with our emotions. They, we admit to you that much of the time we are not in control of them, Lord, the way we should be. Lord, meaning we are not letting the Spirit control our emotions, God. And we want to actually and completely submit ourselves to the Spirit's work. Lord, please take our emotions. We want to do what is right, but in our flesh, we do not have the ability to carry it out. We cannot feel what is right on our own. Lord, help us now today to feel the right things. And Lord, help us to have the discipline to get in your word and focus on the truth and redirect our minds to what really matters in life, God. And we pray all these things in your precious and holy name, all God's people said. Amen. If you've been prompted by this message and are in need of a new beginning or would like more information about Harvest's new beginnings, visit at harvest.church.